Welcome to the Fish Chief Podcast, where we talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. I'm Glenroy. I'm Kareem. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. <laughs> this is what happens. Ah. When you don't show up to Sunday school. But this is exactly what happens when you don't show up to Sunday school. You forget your Bible verses. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to never study. I'm going to show up protect the test. Like when it's study. <laughs> I have to go over Sunday school. No, I can't be people. Long time for soon, I record one fish tea. I'm going to look good. But in my defense, one week I was not scheduled to be here. And the next week, that's when Twitter, not Twitter, Facebook, everybody have their meltdown. I'm still in the Zoom room, sit down, wait, 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 and nobody now show up. May I text that a group chat? Never know. So we have power outage. I want to <laughs> oh, yes, that is true. After this fact. If you didn't find a step, hold on. Yeah, no, but that is true. We, we did, I think what happened was Landville sent him the the, the meeting link in our email, the meeting link not really check as often as we are to. So I don't think that one girl that I go to the meeting link. And then I said, but where we can send this to? Because my hand is carrying on Twitter. Right. I was working. My hand is carrying on Twitter. So I'm not even know if you send it on Twitter if it would work. Right. Instagram is down. WhatsApp is down. You know, Instagram is down. So I said, why man, no, hopefully check the email and, and but yeah, that wasn't that. So I don't really fully your fault, right? But we missed you. What have you been up to? Child, I have been I was running ragged because I was um putting together an art show for the arts organization that I work with, where it was our first time participating in this big festival that happens every year. So we were we were like the pressure is on, like everybody was expecting us to bring it. Thankfully, we delivered. It was cute. Um, it was real cute, actually. I think it's the biggest one we've done to date. So very grateful for that. Um, as usual, still a push through with the dissertation. She had a conversation with my dissertation chair, like, look here, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not care this past next year. So anyway, my guy popped because I'm supposed to collect 20 interviews, but interviews just aren't coming in. But now I pay nobody for sitting and talk to me about them work, which is understandable. People want to be compensated. But then it's also it's a weird time for people to try to like add things to their plate and yada yeah. So um somebody was like, Well, first of all, yeah, I do too much. You need to do like five to eight interviews and call it a day. You just try to push to the 20 and without not really necessary. And I was just like, oh shit. Okay, it makes sense. So I'm up to six. I'm supposed to collect the last two between this week and next week. So I can't start right to defend she and walk across the stage. I'm pumps come me because not time for that. Um, what else has been happening? I'm gonna say navigating adult shit, right? Just growing and trying to maintain my peace and really thinking about what it looks like for Kareem to like really focus on himself. Um, so navigating all those conversations, not just with family and friends, but with also like with the hubby and being like, all right, we got to figure some shit out because, you know, we, we're, we're, we're growing and some things just need to happen. Um, but for the most part, you know, just trying to maintain that same like positive space, trying to be in tune with myself and trying to elevate whatever that looks like. What did I miss, Glenn? I don't think I've spoken to you since you like became the official ED, like Chinsem Gil friend. Like that's not true. That is not true. We have not. No, I don't think I've met since then. What do you mean? That happened in May. No, I, I thought you were interim, and that, like I saw something. It's been interim. Oh, I thought I thought. Sorry, I thought <laughs> I saw something. I made it, like official. Like sorry. Read McCary. Maybe I was full thinking. I don't know. Maybe it's wishful thinking. <laughs> um, but suffice to say, I mean, so by the under adulting shit, listen, I bought me a nice little rug. 
for my apartment. Yes, ma'am. Brings everything together. I've had seven. Yeah. You reach that age day when they look old, so the items be a dry. Yes. Look neat next to me. Yes, it's cute. Other place. Yeah, that's from day in my life. Um, but so. A lot of things I have at once at the flag that I'm just trying to manage um, just with um, the different aspects of my responsibilities. Um, also, I look at place, you know, where I try have a permanent rainbow house space and mm. that come with its own set of rigmarole and, and, and difficulties. Just finding a place that keeps on that <clears throat> works for us and what we want it to be so yeah um things have been you know sometimes challenging sometimes tiring but you know in the end good i mean what i'm glad for is that i've been because there was like a period when i was really bad at gym like never gym maybe once or twice a week i mean if you only part weird because one me never i'm not the type of person who's going to like reduce the pay of my trainer because I miss him. I don't think that's fair to him. He makes himself available for me. If you don't go cut me, kill this, I think so that's amazing. I him think the man deserves money. Right, so I'm spending the money for the trainer that I'm not using. Mm. Um, and so I've been, being, <clears throat> I've been making a conscious effort the past few weeks to be more um, uh, consistent. So like for the past two weeks, we could like it's supposed to go to the gym like four times a week and then boot camp on Sunday, right? Andrew mashed up because it should have been five because Sunday, but you know all that robot cars that they and they carry the one. Right. <laughs> so it's really for it it gondons now. And yeah, my got three like the last couple of weeks. I don't feel good, yeah. Maybe get back to my normal life, but I said, I'm going to chip up up the titties or titties, right? So, yeah, like, so what happens when I'm just doing it, right? And I try to hold it down and mess with the things that I'm and 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 uh, with work and and how it's a progress. So, yeah, but I, I have a lot to be grateful for, and so I'm grateful for what I am, what I have, and, and where things are going, and yeah. Um, yeah that's all. Yeah. So, the topic. Mm -hmm. So today, children, um, we're doing another one of our Caribbean squads, you know, we, we've been going from island to islands, right, you know, like the girl, like the city girls say. Um, flying from islands to islands, right? So we've done Sink It's and Niggas, we've done Saint Lucia, we've done Trinidad. And so now we're far, far east, right? So we're going to be discussing Barbados today with a lovely colleague and friend of mine. Um, is, is that, is it Z? I want to, uh, oh. Z, Z, you got it. Yeah, um, Zika, who has been an activist and an advocate in Barbados for um, as long as I've known them. And um, yeah, we're just going to be talking about the Barbados experience, different changes that um, things have been going through, um, things, things that have happened in Barbados, where things were, where they are now, what life is like, that kind of that we're going to. Imagine myself in Barbados. I remember that little lad. Welcome to the podcast, um, Z. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Like trying to get a good grasp of a Jamaican accent. Thankfully, I did at a Jamaica for like two years, so I had some experience. So, I mean, I feel like you know the accent by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's still like you still gotta listen a lot closely. Like if it's another different language, sometimes you just listen like, all right, cool, I got that, I got that, I got that. <laughs> and you, you know. <laughs> to be fair, Jamaicans respond the same way to be <laughs> so I heard, so I heard. Yeah, because I feel no, I I mean just quick on the accent part. I'm gonna feel like say, like I can follow trains. Like, I understand Trinidad when they talk. But it's close to Jamaican accent, you know, Trinidad accent. I think Barbados accent is, like, literally out there. Like, 
like literally as far east as we are so is our accent it's like a little like completely different from the others i find yeah it's very interesting how the Asian accent is just so different from everybody else's yeah i can hear like the antigua i don't necessarily have an issue the grenadian grenadian vincent shan peter shan I, I i hear it and i'm good but some of them, it's not about Asian accent. Some, but I mean, y'all are funny though. Y'all are hilarious. So I love that. <laughs> I love me my Asians. So, uh, so uh, what is life like growing up um, in Barbados um, as a queer person? As a queer person. Well, the thing is, when everybody, when, when people ask that question, I always, uh, I always you know, have to, to say that it really depends. So I can talk about my experience. And as a, I guess, the thing is I haven't, as I have somewhat trans- transitioned, oh my God, I'm saying it, um, into a, a more gender non-binary person, identity-wise, I haven't experienced Barbados since in a deep way because I've been kind of everybody's been at home um so like I said I could speak from my experience as a as a as a queer woman my identity is a little um I'm going through that process so even like defining myself sometimes is, is a challenge but um yeah people have different experiences depending on where they are you know what they look like and how they identify and so on but if I'd say like generally as general as I possibly can I think uh, life growing up, it would. I don't think it would be as different for for Jamaicans. <sighs> Yo, this is a tough question, Mary. What is it? <laughs> this? Is a tough question. You should have prepped me. Me? Okay, cool. I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. So I think I had a very like, you know general uh life growing up i like most of us we grew up in church you know we that was how we were there were our parents felt like we could be good people um so they would send us to church and fingers crossed that we would be good people and we wouldn't be um you know wayward and all that kind of that kind of thing and i grew up very christian actually so i was quite like safe in that space of Christianity until they started to recognize uh, how I felt. I think Christianity was for me an escape um, so that I didn't have to face my own feelings around sexuality. Um, And it was this little cocoon where I didn't have to deal with it. But then I had to deal with it eventually. Uh, And I made this little pact with God at about maybe 15. And I said, God, I think I'm gay, but I won't like kiss girls, won't do anything, won't like mm, nothing's gonna happen. I'm just gay, but I'm never gonna, you know, lie with a woman, right? So <laughs> that was one. And then like a couple of years later, I was like, okay, God, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna like I'm gonna like, kiss women, but like nothing else, nothing's gonna happen. I'm not technically not lying with them, so I'm still safe in this little Christian, you know, bubble that I am in. And then, um, uh, so that happened, and I was like, God, one more time. I was like, I'm going to just be a good person, and then I left the church. I left the church uh, because I felt like I couldn't, you know, be these two things. So I struggled with my sexuality for a very long time. And I, the truth is, when I was younger, I didn't have, like, a lot of um, other people who uh, were queer around me. Um, growing up, I felt like, um uh I I I was attracted to Destra. That was my first crush. But I I had this you remember that song Max It Up? Yeah. Remember Max It Up? Yeah. So Max It Up had this video, right? And Destra was at the end of the video, she was smiling and I watched this video. Well, I was like 14, 15, and I was watching this video over and over. And then I don't know, I, I just remember how I felt about it, but it would just pass. And then one time, I, my best friend at the time, she said to me, uh, You know, somebody asked me if you were bisexual. And I was like, What? Bisexual? And at the time, I probably knew what it meant, but I never, it never entered my consciousness. And then I thought to myself, I looked it up. I was like, Yo, that's, that's probably me. And then, yeah, and that was my, my time. So obviously, my parents were, my parents weren't like the most supportive initially. 
Um, and that was very, very, very tough. And I think that's the, that's the same for a lot of other Caribbean people, Caribbean young people, you know, whether it's school. But I think right now in Barbados, because of a lot of visibility that's been happening, because of media, more representation, you know, people are becoming definitely more accepting. If I can, that's a really long answer to that question. But yeah, people are definitely becoming more accepting. Okay. Um, so I guess uh, my, my second question on this, uh, Kareem has a follow-up, would be, um, how did you end up in advocacy? Um, what was that journey to advocacy like? I think I was just proactive and finding my own community. And because I was, I, 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 when, my, when my friend told me that there's this thing that I might be labeled as a bisexual, then I was like, okay, yeah, this sounds like it's me, but I need to find other people. You know, it's like, okay, you found out that you were like, whatever, you want to find other people. And I started out by throwing parties, actually. Did I throw, it was a party first? No, I was at the university at the West Indies and I did a, a, a panel discussion on LGBT rights in the Caribbean or something. And that was, I was like 20 or so. And yeah, and there were so many people who came together after that. And I was like, and then we all wanted like more of it. And then we started wanting to start quiche which is queers at UK Hill, right? That didn't really come off because nobody wanted to put down their name as like on this list right. of, you know, president, vice president. Nobody wanted to do it except for me. Um, and so then we started a Facebook group, you know, and it, so I guess it was a thirst for community. And that's the reason that I really got into to advocacy. But then I recognized that, you know, people across the country who were not part of university wanted community too. And we all had all these issues and we talk about it in the Facebook group, talk about it, talk about it all the time. And, you know, you know, I recognize that, you know, with that, what that community did was really formed form, form bonds. But I also felt like there was nothing external that was influencing the environment that the community was in. Right. And that's how Big Lab started. Because I, 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 I did some research on other organizations across the world and I felt like, a lot of them worked within the community, which is very, very important work. But I was like, you know, people need to be visible and work outside of the community and, you know, work with the teachers and pastors and politicians and all these different people that affected life, our lives. And so that was really the, the, the real uh, force behind Be Glad, which was against discrimination and the, we were just an externally Based, uh organization. I mean, naturally, I'm curious now about the when you guys decided to do the external piece or add the external piece to the movement, I'm going to call it. What was like the reaction of, I guess, um, the residents or even administration? Like, what kind of pushbacks or support did you get um, after that? Yeah, so um, it was outrage, especially like for my um, my own my own family. It was complete outrage. <sighs> I don't think I I think I I think I have always been very like bright eyed and bushy tailed about things, and it, this has followed me all through my life. Even, I think I even um that way still sometimes, but yeah, there was. It was, but no, it was an equally outpouring of love and like, oh, this is so brave. This is, I can't believe you did that. And then it was like, uh, off of her head kind of vibes, you know, within like the community. Uh, uh, well, not my personal, um, the LGBT community, obviously, but, you know, family and stuff. They're like, how could you kind of divide? Um, I think the people who had the, the uh, confidence to say it to my face were mostly people who were supportive, mm. you know, but then when you read the comments, people would know, like, was this rough? And that was like, how old was I? I was like 20, 22, maybe? I was young, young, and, you know, say, oh, well, and we did, like, we did a, a spread in the, in the uh, newspaper, and it was just like, we had this platform finally and then we said like this is what the community faced this is what happens all the time you know and people need to be kinder 
we need laws and it was just like all of these things that people were like wait what <laughs> you know like somebody to really finally come out so yeah it was it was rough it was rough but you know there was also a lot of outpouring of support too Huh. So I want to shift gears a little bit because, um, because of one something you said earlier, but also um, because of a pattern that I had noticed um, in previous Caribbean tour conversations, um, that in many ways the how the community comes together and, and the party scene kind of um, impacts or you know gives life to or birth to the advocacy scene in many ways. I mean I've I've learned that you know J Flag began as just about the community was already gathering. They were already coming together and discussing their issues and they said okay let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. So for me the question is like what what are the spaces like for the um, queer people in Barbados to come together and talk about their issues or just come together and vibe and have a good time. Are there like those kinds of first spaces? What is, what is that to see? Well with, well, with COVID, we know that it's very difficult, but uh, pre-COVID, it would have been a lot of parties. It would have been a lot of parties and then organizations would have had their own thing. And then, you know, people gather together in their own groups and their own classes. And, you know, uh, so it's, it's scattered. I still find that the community is scattered and even sometimes a party, even even when you think about marketing, the party has, it has to be in the middle ground because you can't be, you know, too, um, you know, like no kind of luxury party. Because I mean, there are, but those then, you know, cut up a large part percentage of the, pop, the population, the queer population. And then there's like um, all different kinds of different events because we're all divided. We're so divided as it relates to class. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the thing that we have to grapple with as well. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, queer women don't feel comfortable, you know, because parties might, you know, have a lot more men or, you know, trans people don't feel comfortable, you know, or men think that these parties have too many women and all of these different things, you know, because even as a community, we're not, yeah, we're, we sometimes share similar experiences, but we're not all we're not all like homogenous either. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that. But so outside of the party scene, um, who is putting up the parties? Just like just different community members. Um where there was just well, you said people kind of parted in their different groups and classes. But like um, um were you putting up parties? Oh yeah, man! I threw parties before I was an advocate. Well, I threw I, yo. People still talk about Sin City of this day, bro. <laughs> it was I used to throw parties. Yeah, I threw parties. It was a lot of fun. Um, oh gosh, I threw a party called Sin City. That was one of the first. That was really good. I did a party called um, <laughs> Freshman. It was the beginning the the beginning of the school year. I did like tons of parties. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I won this stone store from university. Um, yeah, I threw a lot of parties before I got into to activism. But I think because I threw the parties that I recognized uh, a, lot, a lot deeper, the issues that, you know, other people face and other communities face. Um, and then it was like, yeah, you got to understand about it. You can't just see it and not do something. So you, you're you feel responsible almost to like, if you have some kind of voice, you have some kind of privilege, you know, that you right. that you use it for, for good. Yeah. Right. I mean, so we, we're, oh, go ahead. Nazim has just said something about like, you know, that privilege piece and being at the center of a lot of the movements and so on and being so visible. I'm wondering if that, that visibility, um, what was that, the effect you would say on, I guess, you as a person? being so visible or being at the forefront of the movement um, in, in, in your own right? Like, what was that like for you? Oh, man, that was hard. That was hard work. I mean, you know, you know, people were supportive, but like emotionally and psychologically, it was it was very, very difficult. And um, yeah, I think 
it, it was not only being visible, but being visible in the face of like the most homophobic people and going to churches. Cause that's something that we did often. We would go to churches. We would go to these panel discussions in the church of God, you know, and like sit next to pastors and this and that. Um, and I think that work is very, very, very important. It isn't easy, but it's very, very important because when, you know, these people continue to, you know, they will continue to see or think certain things about the community if we don't become visible. It's like the Loch Ness Monster. You can think all you could be like that Loch Ness Monster is Loch Ness Monster. You can have all these ideas about it. Unless you see the Loch Ness Monster, you know, and that you know the Loch Ness Monster is green and it's 10 feet tall and all these different things, then mm-hmm. you can have an, an exchange, you know what I mean? But all of these myths and stereotypes will continue to like just be pervasive all throughout, you know, the country, unless we rear our head and we say, hey, I'm a person too. And, you know, and not only show the differences, but the similarities. And I think that starts to break down and it was, it's difficult on, on your psyche, but it really starts to break down when people start to see people. And not only me, but other people, uh, Peter Wickham, you know, and he's a political commentator and then other people that look like them or live in their communities and people are like oh okay cool they're not it's not so mythical after all you know <laughs> you know um but i became depressed in the end and that's why i left i became incredibly depressed um i was becoming a recluse at one point mm. um yeah and that's where like the work in pink coconut started because i felt like i still wanted to do a lot of the the work and i still needed a different strategy, a strategy that suited, you know, myself and a strategy that worked for the community at the same time and that worked for the for the entire purpose, which is like laws as well as behavior change and all these things that we wanted as activists to, to achieve, but it had to be more strategic and it had to be a way that doesn't affect the person right. that did no harm. Yeah. So that was kind of genesis of Pink Cookie. Yeah. So before you go to um, um, the people in production, I definitely want you to talk about that. I was wondering in terms of your work with uh, that work that you were doing, do you feel like um, because Barbados is a smaller island that um, it had that kind of impact? Uh, Because I'm imagining, I think, so uh, let me say this. I'm visible here, but I can go places that people not know who I am. Uh, I'm just wondering if that was your experience while we were doing that kind of hardcore visible advocacy and activism um, in Barbados. Um, so the question is, if, if, Barb- if because Barbados is smaller. If it being a smaller island, how well, that might have impacted um, some of the strain that, of course, the activism and the advocacy were put on you. Uh, I think I'm not so sure. I think the type of activism that 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 I was doing, which was very, it was intentionally public, is intentionally going to the nucleus of of the issue. That that I think that's the reason why it had that effect. So whether it's here in tiny Barbados or if you're going and meeting with I don't know, that family life community in the United States, it would be the same thing because it's the type of work and it's the type of, you know, people that you're talking to day in and day out, people that completely want to uh, deny your existence. Mm. Yeah, over and over and over. As opposed to being, as opposed to working like a lot of organizations do within the community where you have like, you know, you, 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 but that can be depressing too, because when you start to see the, the plight, you know, of certain people, or you get these stories over and over, then that can make you very depressed too. So it's, it's, it's both, it's both. Yeah. yeah. So talk to us then about your transition to being around people connect then, um, as, and how it's different from, what you were doing when you're doing that type of advocacy and, and, and how it works differently for you. Well, I remember I was, I was running Be Glad and I was 
also doing some work uh, with uh, tourism. And then, um, and I was also, I was doing a lot because I was also studying at university. I was doing history. But a lot of things came into play that kind of pulled the recipe for, for pink coconuts. And one, there's this little tidbit that I, that I got from history where when we were, when we were enslaved people, um, the abolition of the slave trade did not happen because of the Quakers, which were advocates like us you know, rallying the cause and saying this was an awful thing to do. You need to let these people go. It happened because uh, economic, ec the economists, the economists uh, said um, that it was cheaper to, to let go the enslaved and pay them than to feed them, than to house them or, or than to take care of them. So what they did is that they abolished slavery and well, the Quakers were like, yay, they abolished slavery. For them, it was, it was that, listen, it's, this was cheaper on us. We can make more money doing X, Y, and Z. So even after all these years, so then it, it clicked in my mind. I'm like, and then I also recognized too that a lot of the people who had a lot of uh, the most uh, challenging lives in the community had faced, were facing economic issues. At the crux of it, it was economic issues. At the crux of it is, uh, I live in a community, a home that has so many people that I can be easily abused and nobody know. Or I, they have so many people and these people might not have uh, the exposure or education, so they treat me like this way. And all these things. So over and over, regardless of what the issues were, they were all economic issues. And so I thought, okay, if these issues are at the crux are economic issues, then it must be an economic solution. So, and I think too, because the Caribbean is so dependent on tourism, there's, there's so many different little ways that, that I felt it was the right strategy. Um, I think another thing that happened in, in, uh, in Barbados was that there was uh, some issue happening with sewage some time ago. And it was an issue that uh, affected everybody. But when tourist season came, you know, they rushed and they got the, the situation uh, rectified, you know, because it was affecting the tourists, you know. Um, and, and just these, these same instances over and over again, how fast governments move at the thought of economic issues, you know, that affected their bottom line. I thought, OK, this is a clear strategy. So we started as the Pink Coconuts Project, which is a project that was a big lad and that was... And that was uh, supported by Virgin. It was supported by the Canadian government. And it was supported by Royal Commonwealth Society. And then we pulled together um, some hoteliers uh, two years in a row. And we talked about how we can make it more inclusive for, you know, hotel staff. We can make it more inclusive for everybody. And there's a video that I did, you know, some time ago about it, um, this Pink Coconuts project. But then I recognized we can talk all day, but unless there are people who are coming to the island and choose and and these uh, businesses choose to change their own their their internal policies and change their attitude to uh, LGBT staff and LGBT staff and change the attitude to people around, that's what it would change. And it was like, yo, this can't be a, another NGO. It can't do it. And then I thought, okay, it has to be a company. And then we entered the social entrepreneurship model and that kind of thing. And then again, like, you know, in order to be efficient, I felt like, okay, this has to be a corporation. It has to be because, uh, yeah. And then I started to recognize how large companies just change the face of the world over and over Co companies like Apple and these, and these companies, you know, the, is if, if they have this driving force to change things or change how many times we look at our screens and our phones and to change how we communicate with each other or change all of these things that affect the lives of every single person, then if Pink Coconuts is going to really try to make the world more an inclusive space, then it has to be an economic solution and it has to be a corporation. And that's how I... But then even like... And then, like, I had this conflict because for, for so long as an advocate, I felt like, nah, capitalism is evil, mm -hmm. you know, and I, right. it was this conflict where I think, you know, I couldn't be this, I can't do that, because that's like, 
evil stuff. You, there was this binary of, of you were either this evil, greedy capitalist, or you were this nice, noble, you know, activist and charity worker and advocate, and there could not be overlap. It just can't happen. And I think even when I started to recognize that, I think it, it kind of flew back, like flowed back into my own like rebirth of a non-binary person because I recognize that it's not binary. It's not binary. You can do both. These two things can exist at the same time. And so even as a company, we're, we're always trying to balance like do no harm, do no harm, do no harm. Um, and, you know, and, you know, try to be, you know, just do it as a, the best that we could so yeah honestly it's kind of my answer <laughs> no absolutely i think that's that's a noble um that's a noble what you call it because um <laughs> you know i i definitely like glenn glenn would joke sometimes and say all right miss lady trying to take over the world with a million and one project in my order because i like I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely that person right i started to get into the space of considering myself like a serial entrepreneur um and really thinking about how i can um make the impact that i want to make without perpetuating some of the harm that capitalism has already like done and so on and so right. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm there with you. Like, it's something I still haven't even launched a lot of the things that I want to do because they still kind of, um, you know, on the edge of capitalism. Just like, but mm -hmm. like, you can't really change because it has harmed us so much. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So, you know, something I got to work through. But I, I'd love to know, right? Now that you're not necessarily actively in that space um, where you started, as you reflect, you know what. It's a two-part question, right? So what was, mm -hmm. I guess, the biggest challenge or what was, the, 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 as you can remember, the most challenging scenario and what was like your proudest moment or your, pro your proudest achievement? I think the biggest challenge was that same, like, that same battle within myself and within the community that I know. Because I, I know, I, cause for, for a long time, I, I, I thought like that, you know, I thought like, you know, you were, Capitalism is evil and it, it will continue to, you know, wreak havoc among black bodies and it is it, it's, it's never been helpful to us. Um, at the same time, as I continue to read in terms of how, how tech changes things, because tech doesn't necessarily use uh, uh, bodies in the way that traditional capitalism does. Right. Um, so tech has a few employees, um, but this kind of mammoth kind of scale. So even thinking about that, but then there, there always is something to uncover that is harmful about it that you still have to, so I think like, like really getting to getting down to it and sitting comfortably in it has been the hardest thing. And I think I've been able to do that um in a way that brings me a little um more center <laughs> to be quite honest um and it's been scary because i'm like oh what are communities gonna feel what are people gonna think what are, but i know at the end of the day that this is st strategic and i'm seeing the the responses already even in our partners one thing that we have for our for our lgbt friendly companies or companies that are interested because we start with companies that are that have the intent mm -hmm. you know so if they say okay yeah we want to um appeal to the lgbt community we would love to do that i'm like okay cool so tell me about that what do you think you know so it invites them to the conversation obviously there's an economic carrot right. you know that brings them there and it's okay. a funny story because i uh I actually had a conversation with this guy in Jamaica because one of the first tech conferences I went to was in Jamaica, uh, Tech Beat came on to go Bay. Um, that, was, that was a big moment for me. But I remember I was uh, leaving the hotel and I was going to somewhere. Listen, he was saying this crazy. It was Sunday. His man playing Christian music like loud. 
And so he starts, we start talking a little bit. He asked me what I do. I was like, well, I'm, I'm working in travel. He was like, travel. Okay, cool. So you're bringing people to Jamaica. I was like, sure. And he starts to pull, pull out his card. I was like, well, I'm not so sure if you want to, um, you know, you know, work with the people that I work, work, work with. And he's like, what do you mean? And then I told him, well, I work with gay people and, you know, LGBT community. And he paused. It was this pause and he was like, well, I believe everybody should like, you know, live as one and this and that, you know, and it was this long pause until he got to that. I was like, do you really feel so? He was like, yeah, I mean, uh, so he, it was at that point that he started to grapple with it, you know, and I feel if we can get more people there and granted, um, it is not always a hundred percent genuine there, mm. but I feel like, um, we, we can, if people can literally behave themselves and be kind to people um because of that and then recognize how their behavior towards local community can affect their bread you know that we can then push the needle a little further so i think that was a moment that i was pretty proud of and that was way that was like 2018 2018 when that when that um that incident happened yeah yeah my follow-up would be in terms of your work with big lad and and and, and specifically like just the barbados scene mm-hmm. um, um so it would be this a similar question so what was mo- the most challenging aspect of that work what was the most part of that work um i think the challenging part was the emotional turmoil that it caused sitting down and talking to people who were just unkind. I mean, apart from their own views and, you know, they want to do all this logic and biology and all these kind of things is sometimes it just comes down to just people just being completely unkind to you. Um, and that wasn't nice. It just, and at, at the very core of it, people were just really unkind. And, you know, I remember like many times being like, verbally assaulted or this guy kicked me in the bus or people would write to you and that kind of thing and that, that stuff wasn't fun it wasn't fun at all and you know sometimes I question like why am I enduring all of this you know but um and to, to say the most rewarding part mm, the most rewarding part was when we got sexual orientation in the employment uh, discrimination uh, workplace policy. <laughs> yeah, so we got that in. It was just like, yeah, it's in. <laughs> and then obviously it was, it was like, it was, uh, you know, it was another moment where because gender identity didn't get in and like it was, it was, <sighs> you know, you want to celebrate one because it's like you get there. You know, but then the trans community is like, but what about gender identity? And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, for sure. I totally get it. You know, if if we all don't aren't able to celebrate, then you know, but at the same time I was like, let's just take let's take five minutes. Let's take five minutes. Five minutes to celebrate this one. You know, um, so that was a, a kind of a happy moment there. And then when the remote work thing happened um, and I think marriage not marriage uh, the family by definition was a man and a woman in, in the constitution um, and uh, both Peter Wickham he spoke about it on his call program and then I wrote to the Prime Minister and I'm like listen if y'all want to really uh, this was another example if y'all want to um, uh, appeal to these remote workers the first people that can really travel are queer people duh you know and you're appealing to people that work at twitter your people that twitter at that time had said all of the all their workers are going to work remotely indefinitely and these are very very progressive companies and i wrote her and i said like listen queer people can do it fast we probably don't have as many commitments and within two weeks gender neutral it was gender neutral within two weeks and then like it just continued to just like uh solidify the strategy that you know, I kind of want pink coconuts to employ um, that economics just has sway. Um, yeah. 
And not to mention that, you know, we're working with LGBT entrepreneurs that need money in their pockets, bro. So, yeah, let me, let me start going on because I could go on with this for a very long time. We'll talk about that. I definitely want to hear more. But I want to stop and say, big up yourself, right? I feel like as activists and advocates, because as you rightfully say, there's always something else to do that you really have to take some time um, to pat yourself on the back. So yes, I did that. Like I got that policy. I got that change. And yourself, come through. Like, you know, big up, big up the activists and advocates in Barbados who are pushing through and trying to, you know, get to a better space where um, there's greater inclusion, yeah, whether or not you use the business case or the, or you know, you go to a human rights model, yeah, whichever. Yeah. Um, the fact that you're you're still pushing and you've and you've been pushing and doing, I mean, that's a lot of times it's thankless work. Let's be honest. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, but be up yourself. You can, you know, you can look back at the bad When you're tired of the advocacy, when you have to stop my else, when that's no longer your life, you can look back and say, oh, I didn't do something at that point in my life. I'm you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, so I, I mean, I just really wanted to say that because I feel like as, as, as advocates are just always so forward looking that we never. Mm-hmm. We don't take the time to kind of say, all right, we, we took this step forward and, and this is how I contributed to this forward step. And so, I mean, I mean, my, I guess, sort of last question would be around, you know, know that you've kind of stepped away from like that kind of more like that form of advocacy because you're still advocating. Thank you for, thank you for saying that, Glenroy, because when people ask like I'm like am I I'm not sure I'm just not doing it the same you way are, but it's just like know. it's like you you feel like okay I'm a I'm an entrepreneur now but no it's the same it's, it has the same end goal the end goal is the exact same right. just a different like vehicle so my question is what is self-care for you what does it look what was it then and what is it now I think I'm still discovering self-care to be honest. I'm really still discovering it. And I think and I think self-care and I think that's a, that's one one of the differences because I think self-care was more understood in advocacy because you have this kind of uh approach of love and care for your body, you know, and but I think in entrepreneurship now is go, 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 go. You feel guilty when you rest. You feel guilty when you're not reading. When if you're not working, you're not reading, you're not learning, you're not networking. I feel guilty, guilty, guilty. And I think it's very unhealthy. Um, uh, So what does it look like? Um, It probably looks like sleep. (laughs) <laughs> it looks like sleep it looks like uh it looks like taking a vacation but still hot taking a meeting with the manager there to see if there's a, there's a good partnership <laughs> it's it's so it's, it's a little it's intertwined i suppose it's intertwined um so i still have a lot of work to do as it relates to what self-care looks like yeah you gotta admit that okay now the question that I'm pretty sure you get a lot: Did you have you met Rihanna in person? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question I want to hear. We ask it all first. <laughs> um, no, I have. Have I? Well, okay. Funny story. So I went to. So this was before she was Rihanna. This was Robin. So Barbados is small, like Glamour said. Uh, so my father like does her mother's taxes, and. Uh, my my father is also like you know best friends with her her uncle so i mean it's always that kind of one degree right. separation so a couple of times you would have like went to school like where they would drop me off first and get dropped to school and then dropped her off at complimentary school mm. so that probably happened once or twice but like i don't remember it that much my father said yeah yeah we used to go to school together sometimes <laughs> you know you would drop you off first and that kind of thing but she wasn't rihanna then so i guess technically i haven't met her i've met robin <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh Z, thank you. Is that it? We're going to work? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a very good full discussion. Like I'm so glad I had no issues to overcome to be here for this one. <laughs> yeah, because so right. Z, thank you so much for being here with us, for spending a portion of your Sunday afternoon um, chatting with, uh, with us queens about life <laughs> and <laughs> queerness and all of that. I think I've, I definitely learned so much more. And as I was sitting here, I was browsing pink coconuts because I'm trying to figure out where am I going to celebrate my um, my 30th birthday? And I'm Barbie cute now, thanks to pink coconut. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, I was looking at all the adventures and I just like, oh, wow, it's a lot to do. It's a packed itinerary right here. So I'll definitely be looking into that and reaching out to, um, you know, figure out how this all works and how we can help you with, your, you know, your work going forward and so on and so forth. Um, I appreciate you too. I really, really, really um, do. And I was just talking off my face because, you know, you have a lot in your head. You know, and then we have opportunities to ask you a question, sort of offload. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you, you're one of the easy guests where we could just, you know, ask and the conversation just flows and, you know, give us, because not to lie, sometimes and we might be going too much into the business, but sometimes these conversations are not as prepared for as, we, as they should be. Caribbean people, we go by flow. Yes, we just go flow. Like, yeah. <laughs> there was no coming up with a list of questions and who go ask yeah. what, 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 what. No, so thankfully you were one of the guests where we could just you know just flow with and I, and I and i love that i love your energy love the energy that you bring to the space very grateful for the work that you have done um and the work that you continue to do um in all your for in all your, your you know all your ventures we wish you the best in all of those and like i said you know stay in touch to our listeners yeah. are you gonna say something I know that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing, you know. So our listeners, we hope that this conversation will be as fulfilling and intriguing as it was for us um, partaking in it. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Um, as usual, we know we want to hear from you. So send us all the suggestions, the feedback, all the ideas for future episodes to fishtpodcast at gmail.com or at Fish Tea Podcast on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's where we are for now. Um, as always, as Glenn and I would say, we're still in the pandemic. So please remember to, you know, wash your hands, social distance, um, wipe it down before you put it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and in all things, stay sophisticated. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>